Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast, and I got another solo pod dialed up for you. Uh, but real quick before we get rolling, I, I saw that my last podcast that I posted with Mitch Sherman, which was a fantastic conversation, by the way. Make sure everybody go check that out. Mitch Sherman of the Athletics sat by. We went up 45 minutes on all things Husker football. But I saw that my last pod was, uh, was my 300th episode. 300! It's pretty amazing. Almost three years ago exactly. I think the first episode dropped like August, maybe August 19th, 2019, or August 20th something, uh, 2019, uh, but almost three years ago exactly. I took a leap of faith uh, to, to walk away from my from radio, launch this podcast, and it has been an amazing, amazing ride. And it wouldn't be possible without uh, you. So thank you to everyone out there that has downloaded and supported and continues to listen to the pod made it to episode 300. Cheers to that and cheers to hopefully at least 300 more. Okay, here we go. Uh, so with obviously Husker football is on my mind and the calendar is officially in, uh, has turned to August. And with the first game just under four weeks away, I, I was thinking about this. So, you know, everyone is simply asking the question as this season nears is like, hey, will this work? Is this going to work? Will this this revamped new staff, new transfers, new offense, is this going to work? So like I usually do when when a simple question kind of hits me like that in in a very just simple simple manner, I, I, I did what I usually do is I just got on my computer and I just started typing. I just started typing and typing and typing, and I, I went about 11 pages here. And I just kind of asked myself, will this work? Like, and then I go, okay, why will this work? And maybe why won't this work? And so I tried to kind of build a case for and against answering that question. So on a simple level, here, here are the reasons that it hasn't worked so far. It being the Scott Frost era, four years, four losing seasons, no bowl, bowl game appearances. Here are the reasons it hasn't worked. And I think it's important to kind of start there. Because you got to figure out, okay, what's been wrong before you then can go, okay, is those have those things been addressed in making you think that it will work, right? So listen, there are a bunch of reasons that this hasn't this hasn't worked so far, but I'll, I'll lay out just the the biggest ones. The first the first one I wrote down was special teams. Second thing I wrote down was quarterback management, and there's a lot in there, but I wrote down quarterback management. I also wrote down game management, uh, turnover margin. Lack of difference makers at key positions, at key spots. Pass rusher, running back, wide receiver, those kinds of spots. Uh, I wrote down offensive line. And then the last one I wrote down was was record in close games. I could, I, I could go just broad and say things like coaching and offense. But those are just, those are really, really broad. And listen, they've, in my opinion, they've they both kind of been addressed in to the tune of five new coaches and 
most notably one being a new offensive coordinator. But I think you can kind of ride with, and I think you're vibing with me, that the biggest ones of, of why this hasn't worked, special teams, quarterback management, game management, turnover margin, lack of difference makers at key spots, you know, wide receiver, running back, pass rusher, O-line, and then record in close games. Th- those are, are laying it out why it hasn't worked. And it's important to kind of lay that out on the front end of this. So let's go through those individually and dig into where those things are at heading into this year as we are about four weeks away from the start of the season. First one wrote down was special teams. Was it addressed? It was addressed. You hire full-time special special teams coordinator in Bill Bush. You have all new specialists, long snapper, kicker, punter, returner. So there's a full-time dedicated coach on it. So the culture around it should improve just because there's just going to be an added level of importance on it because there's a there's a guy who is one of your full-time assistants solely focused on that. And then I also think with Frost, I think Frost will be able to put his fingerprints on it too with the fact that he's going to have maybe a little bit more time in his hands day-to-day in practice because he's not, you know, he doesn't have his head buried in a play sheet in the offense. And then, like, then the other thing is, is like I talked about with the the you know the difference makers for special teams. Those specialists are all new. Like, I know I've talked about this before, and a lot of this stuff you know gets I don't know if it's redundant, but you 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 have a lot of the same things you, that come up throughout the off season. And one of the things that that we talked about that that was something Frost said a, a, a whole bunch last year, which some of it's a little bit of you know, BS, but somebody's right. And and he kept on kind of saying, listen, we don't have a special teams problem. We have a specialist problem. And like, I think, I think there's, there's both of them are problems, but it, it doesn't just because you, 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 you point out one doesn't mean the other one's not true either. Like I can say there's a special teams problem, but there's also a specialist problem. And you get a new kicker, new punter, new returner. You could have new production on special teams just from those three spots alone. So on paper, it's been addressed. Quarterback management being the next thing. I think this is this has been addressed for the most part, but it's going to be fascinating to watch it it play out. Because I was thinking about this when thinking about quarterback management in the quarterback spot over the last four years and then into this year. There, there are there are a lot of things that motivate a player. And in this instance, we're talking about a quarterback. But two of the greatest motivators in sports and in football and for a quarterback in this conversation, the two great motivators are winning and the bench, losing your job. Winning should naturally motivate everyone, obviously. But the bench is a motivator too. Losing your job is a motivator too. Nothing will get your ass in gear as a player faster than than if someone is breathing down your neck to take your job. Nothing will get your ass in gear faster than knowing that someone is coming for you and you could lose your job. I think I've always felt like this. I think all players should be extremely confident, but also extremely paranoid. Like, you talk to a lot of guys like, you know, or, or talk to, you listen to a lot of guys like Tom Brady and all that. Those guys are just perpetually paranoid that they're going to lose their job. They're confident in themselves, 
but paranoid that they could they could get benched. I say that to say, let's be real about Adrian Martinez for a second and his time at Nebraska. Outside of like, oh, I don't know, a game and a half stretch in 2020 with Luke McCaffrey, Martinez never really had to worry about losing his job. There was nobody breathing down his neck to take his job. Day-to-day, season-to-season. He was he was never paranoid that one bad game, one bad week of practice, one enormous mistake would cost him his starting job. And on some level, that matters. Like, not to always go back to the 90s, but you talk to a lot of those guys from the 90s, Damon Benning, Jason Peter, like you talk to those guys. Those guys talk about the perpetual, like the day-to-day grind of knowing that like all it took was for you to slip up once and and someone behind you was ready to take your job. You know, on some level that matters. Nobody was pushing Martinez. And listen, I get it. Martinez was was a uh, you know, he's a difficult player to assess in some ways. He he's one of those guys he seemingly checked every box for being a good player except winning. But, you know, Frost seemed to have a blind spot with him a little bit. And it felt like over the years with Frost that, you know, Frost wanted to be right rather than get it right at the quarterback spot. Meaning he wanted to prove to everyone he was right about Martinez. I was right about Martinez. I talked about that all the time that for, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was just getting him back inside Memorial Stadium and, in, and, and back in Nebraska coaching that like I think he saw himself in Martinez, that like he projected his own past onto him, how people wanted to see Frost benched after the Arizona the 96 season, in particular that Arizona State loss and at the beginning of the, two, of the 96 season. And he felt like you know, he, he was always looking over his shoulder and he needed someone to just, you know, buy into him and let him be the guy. And then finally Osborne did that and, and he went off and won a national championship. I think he like wanted that to happen for Martinez. And to me, all of that impacted the team and the seasons and overall record. And so when you when you then look at this year, in my opinion, the quarterbacks better be on their game or they're losing their job. The the quarterback room, what's got five scholarship quarterbacks? That's a lot of scholarship quarterbacks. None of which can say that like they've they've and none of them have played it down at Nebraska. Yeah, Casey Thompson's the front runner, but Casey's never thrown a pass wearing a Nebraska helmet. So you know everybody, all those dudes better bring it every day. Especially given the hot seat nature of this of the year, I've I've long thought that like. When Frost is coaching for his his job, like you have a shitty quarter, you have a shitty half, you have a you have a bad game, like you, there's a chance you're getting the hook a little quicker than maybe if this was year one. But you know, I, I just I look at like the picture of Martinez and then Verdusco and Frost, and you look at that picture. And then you look at the picture of Casey Thompson, Chubba Purdy, Logan Smothers, that three-man combination with Mark Whipple. I'm not so sure I don't like that second picture more. But most importantly, I don't, I don't know how any of them could be showing up you know, every day at practice like loosey-goosey and not feeling a little bit paranoid. 
Plus that Whipple factor, man. I think the quarterback coaching is is going to dramatically improve. Dramatically improve. And, you know, one of the things I've always believed, especially in coaching, but really it's it's true in any 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 line of work, any business. One of the greatest indicators of how talented, how good, and how valuable you are is the open market. If you hit the open market and anyone can hire you, anyone can sign you, what happens? This was this was always my thing with with people who criticized Jim Harbaugh over the last handful of years, up until last year, obviously they won the Big Ten, but this was always my thing with people who, who ripped Harbaugh at Michigan and all that stuff. I, I used to say, let that guy hit the open market. Okay, you think Harbaugh's not good? Okay, let him hit the open market. Let's see what happens. Phone will be ringing off the hook. People be lined up. People be firing their current coach immediately. So I bring up this open market thing to say that I mean, Mario Verduzco. How many people are lining up, falling over themselves to to get that guy and put him on their staff? <laughs> I mean, basically nobody. And that's telling. I mean, I think you could say the same thing. Like, maybe it's a little bit of a red flag that like Matt Lubick was in like personal finance. He was, he was like out of football and then Frost hired him. It's like, you know, again, the open market, great indicator. So I think Mark Whipple coaching the quarterbacks is going to make an enormous difference. Enormous difference. So you're going to have better coaching. You have more competition. So I, I think the quarterback management has been addressed. Will it lead to better quarterback play? I I, I don't know. I I don't know. We'll see. But I think the quarterback management on the front end on paper has been addressed. Game management. Boy, this is a tough one. Because you don't know until you until you get into that into a, a situation where Frost has to manage something. But on paper, again, Frost gravitating to the CEO thing and not having his head in a play sheet should allow him to manage the game better. Because I'll be honest, this is, in my opinion, this has been really poor over the years. Play calling, clock management, decisions in certain spots, et cetera, et cetera, has, has all been lacking. And with him now being the CEO, in theory, that should get better. Now, this is going to be an interesting test for Frost. Because, again, he's a guy that's wired, and in, in, in think in every game he's coached for the past 10 years, this dude is is. It is offense, off, he is thinking about offense. So we'll see on this. But I think a part of this move, you know, to CEO has has this in mind. Like someone's, I think Trev is looking at this thing. Frost is probably looking at this thing as well. The collaborative changes and all that stuff. Of like, listen, someone's got to manage the whole game better. And oftentimes that's got to be the head coach. Not oftentimes, that like pretty much always has to be the head coach. So again, you don't know until you until you know Frost has to you make the, these decisions and all those sorts of things. But I guess you could say on paper, I think there's a chance this is this is going to improve. 
The next thing, difference makers at key spots. And I wrote down pass rusher, running back, and wide receiver. Pass rusher, check, with O'Shawn Mathis. Running back, I would I mean it's hard. It's I would say TBD on that. Hopefully it's Anthony Grant. I think it's I think he's probably gonna be the guy. Do I do I think Grant's, you know, the second coming of Emmett Smith? Probably not. But I mean, is there a chance he's he's an upgrade from everybody they've had post Divino Zigbo, which isn't that high of a bar? Yeah, it's possible. Same thing with with you know Trey Palmer. I again difference maker wide receiver probably got to say to be determined. But you know Trey Palmer, highly touted dude was at LSU, really talented. You talk to people in and around the program, they say. Dude's, dude's talented. Dude is really, really talented. And so, you know, the beauty of football is it's the ultimate team sport, right? But at the same time, behind every great team, you will find great elite difference, difference makers at those vital spots. Behind every great team, you find great players. Pass rusher, running back, wide receiver are typically spots that good teams have really good players there. And Nebraska, for four years, has had no pass rusher. They've had no, to me, legitimate, dynamic, game-changing running back. And that wide receiver spot has, has been not good. So and listen, I think that wide receiver spot, like Morgan was good for the first year. Wandell had his moments, but had to slide over at that running back spot. I liked Samari Ture, but I never felt like Ture was an elite difference maker. He's a good player. Just talent still matters, especially in key spots. And Nebraska potentially on paper could have their best pass rusher, running back, and wide receiver since Frost has arrived here in Lincoln. I think that's possible this year. So, have they addressed it? We'll see. Again, a lot of this stuff is, you know, you don't know until you get into the season. But to me, for sure, pass rusher has been addressed. I, 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 I think Mathis is going to come in and make a big difference. To be determined on running back and wide receiver, but nevertheless, there's a chance those key spots finally have some, some real dudes there. There's a chance. The next thing in what has held Nebraska back under Frost, turnovers and turnover margin. I mean, key right here. A couple of things to chew on. Just, you know, some some raw data real quick. You, individually, oftentimes, your, your, uh, you know, your turnover number can get correlated to your quarterback. I mean, he's the guy that's touching the ball. He's throwing the ball. He's, I mean, oftentimes, the teams that are high turnover teams, are they have a high turnover quarterback. And Adrian Martinez was extremely turnover prone. 30 interceptions and 18 lost fumbles in his time at Nebraska. That's a ton. Again, 30 picks, 18 lost fumbles. It's hard to win when your quarterback's turning it over that much. And then overall, here's, here's where Nebraska ranked. Again, about 125, 130 FBS teams. Here's where Nebraska's turnover margin has ranked. Under Frost, 95th, 123rd, 61st, 83rd. It's really bad. 
Haven't, haven't sniffed being inside the top 50. Just top 50. Not talking about top 25, top 20, top 10, top 50. And obviously, turnover margin takes into account the ability to force turnovers as well. Well, that's where I think Mathis is enormous. And Nelson's emergence as well. Like, I don't want to leave him out because I think he's... I, the, the closer we get to the year, and especially coming out of Big Ten media days, that he's the leader. And, you know, uh, some people have talked about is, that, you know, Garrett Nelson's now the face of the program. I'm like, man, this dude, uh, I just, I think, I think Nelson is on that trajectory to just have a big year. And Bo Rude has made this point that Nelson will benefit from Mathis and, and his, will, will benefit from Mathis's presence in maybe getting one on ones, getting the weaker guy, not getting chips and all that stuff. Like, but in my opinion, the pass rush is one of the most important, if not the most important factors in forcing turnovers, right? Strip sacks, quick rush decisions. And, you know, Nebraska's just had zero pass rush. They've had zero pass rush. And I think they might have one now. So that factor, along with Martinez's departure, I think Nebraska's turnover margin has a really, really good opportunity to improve. So you hope it's been addressed. You hope it's been addressed. Offensive line. I mean, this one's this is to be determined for this year. And this is probably my biggest concern. I mean, you do have a different coach, which could lead to a to better output. But again, that's this is all we'll see. I don't think Donovan Riola has done anything to probably earn the benefit of the doubt with how his offensive line will do this year. There's just no real sample size with that stuff. Sure, he's got a, you know, the last name, he's got the pedigree, Wisconsin, he's in the NFL. But, you know, there's just not a lot of track record there for you to go, you know, he did this here and he did this here and he did this here. You know, that that group too, that that unit's pretty thin. So I don't I don't know what to say about this spot. I, I can't sit here and and really feel confident in with this mic in front of me and just saying that, yep, been addressed. That unit has been addressed. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see on that. And then close games. Record in close games. Being in being the the final thing that is as that as I listed out the things that have reasons why this hasn't worked under Frost. Yeah, ultimately that's likely gonna tell the, the tale again this year because it's told the tale of the Frost era. Nobody's lost more games decided by one score or less over the last four years than Nebraska. Sam McEwen, the Omaha World Herald, had this stat. Nebraska's had 14 one-score games in the West Division. They've been in 14 one-score games in against West Division opponents. And Nebraska's record in those games is 2-12. 2-12. I mean, they they teach you in the biz for the dramatic pauses to to really let things sink in. Two and twelve people. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go onto Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that 
has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. To contrast that, again, this is in the World Herald, over over four seasons, Iowa has played in 13 one-score games in the West Division. They're, the Iowa in those games is 8-5. and five. So think about that. Basically, Iowa and Nebraska have been in the all, pretty much the exact same amount of one-score games. Iowa's won eight of eight, and Nebraska's won two. Or the better way to look at it is, is Nebraska's lost 12 of those games over the last four years. Iowa's only lost five. It's it's really the, the story from a broad sense. It's just that Nebraska's been horrible in close games. So I'm going to be fascinated to watch how the close games unfold this year. Because I'm going to be... It'll be perplexing if Nebraska is terrible again in close games this season. Mainly because, you know, if you think about it, if you think about close games and the 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 people who shape close games to the good. If you think about the people who impact close games, all of them for Nebraska are new. Quarterback new, play caller new, wide receiver running back could both be new, specialist, punter new, kicker new, punt returner new. So in theory, the ones that are touching the ball that greatly can impact close games are all new. Not to mention that, I, I, like we said, I think Frost's gravitation to CEO can potentially better manage the game, which matters for close games. So, I mean, here's, I mean, you don't know until you're in a tight game. You don't know until it's 24-24 with four minutes left in the fourth quarter. You, you, you don't, we're not going to know until they got to get in those moments and they got to, they got to get it done. But in theory, on paper, probably an optimistic view to probably look like, to, to say it like this, but on paper, I think this has been potentially addressed. I think you could say that, that it could potentially could improve. So there you go. To me, in thinking about what has ailed Nebraska and the reasons this hasn't worked for four years under Frost, and then how you addressed those things in the short term, I think you can build a fairly optimistic view on the year and the season if you look at it a certain way and answer the question, will this work? Somebody could listen to that and go, yeah, I think it could. I think it will. Not to mention, we didn't even get into the fact that the schedule it has has lightened up. You're not playing Ohio State. Two of your three crossovers are uh, against Indiana and Rutgers. Your tough non-conference game uh, is at home in, in a team in Oklahoma that that game looks dramatically easier today than it did a year ago. No Lincoln Riley. The quarterback transferred. And listen, I do really believe, I really believe, I think every single coach Nebraska brought in is an upgrade. From Mickey Joseph to Brian Applewhite, 
Like I, I think every coach they brought in is an upgrade. And that has to matter. Plus, I do think that the going into that transfer portal, Nebraska did about as good of a job in the portal as any team in the country. Got some real dudes there. There's the raw talent is there. I mean, and again, on some level, talent matters. So, okay, what's the flip side? Let's do the flip side of all this stuff. Kind of in painting the picture of how this doesn't work or why this won't work. I mean, doing that's fairly easy, right? That's uh, In some ways, it's an easier picture to paint just because you're – you're you're not having to you're not having to have faith. You can just point to what has happened and go, well, until I see it, I'm not gonna believe it. And if that's if that's how you want to approach this, it's like, well then like what's the point of even discussing these things, you know? But it's an it's a I think it's the 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 picture to paint on how this doesn't work is fairly straightforward. Listen, on a simple level, I'd start by throwing out these three things. The first one, too much change, too short of a time to get everything and everyone clicking. You know, in a in a one year winner get fired scenario, you have a new offense, new offensive coordinator, new old line coach, new wide receiver coach, new running back coach, new, 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 new. That's hard. It's hard to expedite the process of clicking and gelling and peaking and producing with all that new. It's hard. And then within all of that new is that chemistry aspect. That, that we've talked about. And that even a guy like Frost brought, brought up at, at Big Ten Media Day saying, listen, we got more talent than we've had. I like all the new coaches. Now we got to become a team. That's challenging to do in a short period of time. Culture, foundation, camaraderie, togetherness, chemistry are all things that you can't just snap your fingers and it's there. It takes time. There are certain things you can have just kind of maybe an infusion of talent. Like that can pop. But like those are microwave things. Some things you got to cook in the oven. You, you got to, like they're going to take some time. Chemistry and, and that stuff, that intangible stuff takes time. So I'd, I'd point to that. I'd also point to the fact that Nebraska lost basically all of its best players from last year's team. Now, you could go, well, Nick, they went 3-9, and nine, so who the hell cares if they lost all their best players? Well, listen, like JoJo Doman, you, he wasn't good. Damian, Daniel Stilley, Cam Taylor-Britt, Cam Jurgens, Like, all those guys are gone. The, the other way, look, I just don't know. Nebraska doesn't have a lot of proven studs coming back. Like, I asked you, who's the, in terms of the returners, who's the most proven stud coming back? I Reimer, Henrich, Nelson. I mean, you got the offensive side, Vokalek. I mean, I like Vokalek, but like, Vokalek? Ramir? Omar Manning, you know, like it gets, it's it's a little concerning. So I'd look at that, and then you know you, you could say this as well as to why it won't work. You you can sit here and and you can be a you know anti everything going on in Lincoln right now and go, hey man, listen, hey, you you can change everything 
for the good. And you, you can, you can revamp all these things, but if the head coach isn't the right guy and the right leader, it won't matter. Can rearrange the furniture in the room, but the room is the room. The room being Scott Frost. You can change everything about a house, but if the foundation is bad, it still won't work. Frost being the foundation. I'm not saying I think that. I don't. I'm just saying that that school of thought can make sense if you want to build a case as to why it don't work or why it won't work. You can make all the changes in the world, but if the most important spot is the issue and you didn't change that, then in theory, nothing will change. I'd also say you could point out the the major question marks in the trenches, like if you're, which I think are all are valid. I don't know what I don't know how good Nebraska is going to be in the O line and the D line, right in that in the heart of the just the right in the middle. You know, your D tackle lined up, head on the nose. You know, your center, your guards, your your like. Both sides of the ball. If you're shaky in the O-line and the D-line, good luck winning in the Big Ten. And there's a chance to – I don't know how good they're going to be there. So we can, you know, we can fawn and drool over Trey Palmer and, and you know, all these different guys. Like, But if, they, if you're not good in the interior, good luck. Football's hard when that's the case. Again, you can get away with it maybe in the AAC or the Big 12. Big Ten's – Big Ten football – is you better be good inside. You better be good in the interior, in the trenches. And then you could also throw out, you know, in terms of why this won't work, you could also throw out the whole thing that we've talked about and, you know, just the fact that, like, in needing to hit, hit being like they need to be good, they need to come in and start and be difference makers, the fact that Nebraska is needing to hit on 10 to 12 transfers is really hard to do. It's hard. And that's kind of what would need to happen here. Quarterback, you could say there's two that need to hit. I'll, I mean, he could just say one, but Casey Thompson or Chubba Purdy. Wide receiver, probably need three to hit. Trey Palmer, Garcia Castaneda, Marcus Washington. Running back, for sure one, maybe two. Anthony Grant, absolutely. Maybe A.J. Allen, I don't know. We'll just say Anthony Grant. D-line, probably say three. O'Shawn Mathis, Devin Drew, Stephon Wynn. Cornerback, for sure, Tommy Hill. Kicker and punter, two, Bushini and Bleak Road. And that's 11 or 12 right there. That's hard to do, guys. And those are pretty much all guys. And name one guy in there outside of like, yeah, maybe got a little carried away with like A.J. Allen or something like that. Name anybody in there that 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 you'd go, oh, come on, Nick, you think Nebraska is really depending on that guy? Oh, who, Tommy Hill, the starting corner? Maybe could be a returner. Bushini and Bleak Road, the two kickers. Mathis, Devin Drew, Wynn, Grant, Palmer, Casey Thompson. I mean, Nebraska needs all those guys to... They need them to start or for sure be in the 2D. That's really hard to do, to bring in that many transfers and have them all hit. So there, there is that as well. And so that would be for me, that would be the case as for to why it, it won't work. 
Again, the case for why it won't work is always the easier case to to be made when you're dealing with something that is yet to happen, right? Because there is no, again, you're not having to deal with faith and assumptions. You're dealing with like, well, I mean, listen, why do you think that's going to happen? It's never happened before. You're like, well, I can't argue that. So they, the little case for why and why not. And you know what's hard is? Like, I can buy both. I keep on saying that. I can buy both. I've told you guys. I, I told you in a couple pods ago. The range for this season is enormous. Where Nebraska was picked to finish in the, in you know, they were picked to finish as high as second or as high as seventh in the Big Ten West. Like, that's it. We're like, I as I'm writing out both those cases as to like, okay, these are the reasons that they've struggled. I think they've addressed this, this, and this, and this, this. Okay, let's go. Here we go. GBR, baby. But then also, when I write out why this won't work, I'm like, oh, man, oh, I need a drink. My God. I can see eight or nine wins. I really can. I can also see three and nine. About four and eight. The truth is likely somewhere in the middle. And that's where I've seen some. I think Vegas Insider had uh, Nebraska's over-under win total at seven and a half, which I think feels high a little bit for me just from an over-under win total standpoint. Like, I'd set the if, – if I were a Vegas odds maker, I, I'd probably set Nebraska's win total at six and a half. I think that feels like the perfect number for me. That's where I'd set it at. One final thought before I, we, we wrap this up and say goodbye. This was a thought I had when when talking with Mitch Sherman. Again, great conversation I had with him. I urge everybody to go check it out. This thought kind of hit me. So, I honestly feel like overall, the defense might, this season, might not be as good as it was last year overall. Now, when I say that, keep in mind that some of that is relative to how, what you thought of the defense. Like, for me, I was way higher on that group than a lot of other people were. I, I get it. The statistical profile of that defense was not necessarily amazing, but I watched the games. Like, that defense did about all they could, man. That defense maximized its ability, and, like, I thought that that group was pretty dang good. It wasn't a 2009. It wasn't the 95 black shirts or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But I thought that was a pretty, pretty good defense in all reality. They just had zero help. Zero help. So, again, I think when when you when I say, like, the, the, the defense might not be quite as good overall as they were last year, some of that you have to take into consideration. In my mind, like, I actually thought the defense was pretty good last year. So, again, I think Nebraska and its defense, the Blackshirts, might not be quite as good overall, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Oftentimes, one player, if they're in the right position and have the right skill set and bring the right things to the table, Oftentimes, one player can change everything with one side of the football. I think there's a chance that 
O'Shawn O'Shawn Mathis might be that for Nebraska. I think O'Shawn Mathis is going to make a big difference. I think O'Shawn Mathis' presence, which will make Garrett Nelson even better, again, who I've talked about, it was I think he's on a trajectory naturally to have a great year, but I think Mathis' ability to, to rush the passer combined with Garrett Nelson, I think that could offset the overall quote-unquote step back from last year. Last year's defense. Does that make sense? It does to me. Like, like look at take Amir Abdullah, for example. And listen, I'm not saying Mathis is the defensive equivalent of Amir Abdullah. But Amir Abdullah changed that entire 2014 offense. So like I said, if you got one guy at the right spot, in this case, the running back, like one guy can change everything. Look at Kenneth Walker from Michigan State. Again, I'm not. I'm, I'm getting crazy here with some. I'm not saying Mathis is going to be Kenneth Walker of defensive pass rushers, right? I'm not saying that. I'm just using it to to make my point. How one one guy can kind of elevate and alter and change and tilt everything on a certain side of the football when you can rush the passer when you can get after the quarterback it changes everything I've said this a couple of times in football in 2022 it's almost non-negotiable that you better have a pass rush or a pass rusher if you want to be good look at every single elite team in the NFL and college. The one common thread, sure, you know, a lot of them got great quarterbacks and stuff, but one of the common threads is they have a great pass rusher and a great pass rush. And Nebraska's been void of this for, you'd have to go back to Randy Gregory, which is 2014. Nebraska has been void of this for a long, long time. Chew on these stats. Here are the last four years under Frost. Last four years where Nebraska is ranked in sacks per game. 70th, 94th, 60th, 82nd. Again, not even sniffing the top 50. Just top 50. The last year of Randy Gregory, 2014, Nebraska ranked 19th. 2009, Sue and the boys, they're in third. 2010, Crick, that good secondary. That team, that, that defense was really, really good. They're in 10th. Just drives home the point. I thought Nebraska's defense was pretty damn good considering it was it was 70th in sacks. Just when you can't get after the quarterback, the reality is when you can't get to the quarterback. It puts a ceiling in how good your defense can be, in my opinion. And it what it does is it forces you to be damn near perfect in everything else that you do. And that's just too tall of a task. Game in and game out, play in, play out, series in, series out, where you're just your margin for error is so low because you are never going to get to the quarterback. 
if you can rush the passer, you get off the field on third down, you're better on third down, you force more turnovers, you make the the opposing quarterback uncomfortable. And so I think Nebraska will have a much improved pass rush and with Mathis on the field and unlocking an already budding stud in Nelson, I think Nebraska's potential step back on defense might be offset by the pass rush with Mathis. That's just where where I'm at four weeks from the season. So, there you go. And I'll end it there. Lots to take in with them. So I'll wrap things up like I usually do, paying homage to my man Ho, my man Jay-Z. This is Food for Thought. You do the dishes. A Huda Media Production.